0: Life Audio
1: The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com
0: The blessings of the kingdom are available if we are to accept them. And that acceptance is part, as our response to the invitation. We have to understand that the invitation is for all, but that we have a part to play in accepting that invitation. Hello, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I'm so glad to be your host and your friend here as we discover God's word together. It's been such a joy to spend this time over this last year, as we've gone through Romans and First John and now we're in parables, we're calling this series stories Jesus Told. And coming off of Easter, it's this really cool opportunity to look back and um, sort of with the perspective of disciples who would know the resurrected Christ and be like, oh man, like what did Jesus teach us? Let's review like the stories that he told us that teach us about the ethics of life, about what really matters about how we can understand who God is, and in conjunction to that, how we then should respond. So that's what we're doing in this series, and today we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, looking at the parable of the great banquet. Now, I'm just going to remind you again about what a parable is. A parable is a story that illustrates a spiritual truth, and where we started this series, we went through the parable of the sower and the seeds, because the kind of point of that parable is only those who have ears to hear will hear, and parables can just pass us by if we want, and some of them are so familiar to us if you've been raised in the church that it can feel like you go into it and you're like, Ah, eh, I already know what this means. Like I already know what this is about, but I want to encourage you in this series to take a moment and really say, Lord, open my heart, open my mind to learn something new today, to hear something new about this parable, about a spiritual truth, about how I can then respond. So I want to invite you to that right now, just to take a deep breath in the presence of God and ask him to open our hearts to receive his word. We're going to start in Luke 14, verse 15. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, not what I signed up for. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S T U D Y or visit give.cru.org/study. Again, that's give.cru.org/study. Message and data rates may apply and available to US addresses only. When one of those at the table with him heard this, okay, so let's just stop there because you know how much I think that the backstory is important. So basically, if you're reading in your own quiet time and you're starting to read through a parable or something, you don't even really need to read on. You should stop at that point and be like, okay, I'm. let me make sure I understand the setting Because no words in scripture are wasted. So if the Bible tells us that there is a setting, it's telling us about a setting, let's make sure that we understand the setting. So the only thing we need to know when we read when one of those at the table with him heard this, my first questions are, who is one of those and where is the table? So if you look back, you'll see that uh, Jesus had been invited in the beginning of uh, verse 14. It's actually on a Sabbath, and Jesus is invited to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. And it says that they were watching his every move. Okay, so we know that Jesus is now eating with religious leaders. They are watching him, and they're in this engagement back and forth, asking questions about the Sabbath, about what does it mean? And really, I think the question they're asking is, what does it mean to be righteous? How do you interpret what we understand to mean what the outside uh, behaviors are that make us righteous? And what we know about the religious leaders, and a lot of times Pharisees get a bad rap, like they're like the evil people of Scripture, but Remember that at the time, Pharisees were people who were truly trying to seek God. They they really wanted to live their life in such a way that uh, it would represent and glorify God. And we see these stories where Jesus is just busting through their paradigms of what it means to be a righteous person. And so what we know going into this parable is that these guys are sitting at a table. They're having a, a good meal together. And there's all of this back and forth going on around behaviors. And about what behaviors make you righteous. And they're questioning Jesus and they're studying him and they're watching him. They're trying to, in some in some passages, it says they're trying to catch him. They want to prove that he is not right. Uh, many of them, maybe some of them, we know Nicodemus is a Pharisee that we meet in John chapter three. Some of them may have been truly interested in what Jesus was doing, but Jesus was shocking them with a different way to see the kingdom. And so when we go into these parables, remember, the whole concept here is let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And so Jesus is giving these religious leaders who are questioning him, who are watching him, who are examining him for what he does and thinks is righteous, and he's giving them an opportunity to engage through the use of a story. Okay. Back on track. (laughs) I just got all the way off, but that was important so that you know the setting, okay? So let me start again. Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Okay, so Jesus replies with the story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Okay, so remember, the setting, right? That we're in. This is sort of the end of this scene. It ends on that story we do not know how the Pharisees respond. We do not know how Jesus's story was received. We do not know if anyone there even got the hint at what he was talking about, but we have the benefit of all of scripture and all of the gospels and an understanding of what Jesus was doing. We have the benefit of knowing that Jesus actually is the resurrection and the life because Jesus before this, if you noticed, if you took that quick note of the fact that someone was replying to Jesus, said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God after Jesus had talked. What we know is if you look back, Jesus had actually been really clear beforehand. He said in verse 12, when you give a lunch and don't invite your friends, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and you'll be blessed. And he says, although they can't repay you, you will be repaid. And so one of the Pharisees is actually responding to the fact that Jesus has given like a very clear instruction about invitation and about hospitality and about what the kingdom of heaven's really like, but then Jesus backs it up with this story, okay? So let's work through our method. First question is, what does it say? And you know, I found something new this time around that I had not noticed before. And I'll tell you that I used to trip a little bit over the beginning of the story, right? So let's talk about what's happening in the story. We know that there's a man who's preparing a great banquet and Jesus is going to tell this story, and we we sort of get the feeling that the man who's preparing the banquet is God. This is God's story of his invitation. And the story goes on, and it says, hey, he starts to invite people, right? And as he invites the people that are his servants, the people who are around, he says, let's invite the people um, that we've already invited. I've invited all of these people. And then we go through, and we hear these three stories of three people who say that they can't come, right? Right. And I'll tell you, the first time I read this, the second time, just even until the last time I read it, I just kind of was like, well, I mean... Is that like, do they have, what you have to say yes, like at that moment, like maybe they had important things to do. But I know, of course, from scripture, because we all looked at the story of the Good Samaritan, that it's pretty important to pay attention to when something's happening, you're being invited to something. And we know that this was a a wonderful invitation to a beautiful meal, this great banquet, right? But here's the thing that I didn't notice at first. I thought that commentators would be harsh on these guys before because I wasn't really reading it closely. But then I read it again and listen to this. Okay, so let's think about the first excuse. The first guy says, "I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out." Please excuse me. Now, what? What in the world would you really invest in all of those oxen if you had never seen them? Wouldn't you know what they were like? Like you, were, did you? Really, You're going to try them out after you bought them? I don't think it works that way. Like it's called a test drive. Because you drive the car before you buy it. So this first one, I'm like, wait a second. That doesn't really hold up. And then it kind of goes on, right? The next one, oh, the one before that in verse 18, he said, I've just bought a field and I have to go see it. Who buys a field Without ever seeing it, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy a field without seeing it. I mean, the real estate market is tough right now, but you still see things before you buy them. So really, these first two excuses are kind of invalidated. Like, like these guys are making excuses. I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you have invited someone to something and you can tell they just don't want to go, and they're like, "Ah, uh, let me check my calendar." But it really starts to feel like that's the tone, that this invitation is really being taken for granted. It's being spurned. Then the final guy says, Well, I just got married. I can't come. Who doesn't want to go on a date night with their spouse? Like the fact that he just got married has nothing to do with that, about not being able to come. So we start to see that actually these are laughable excuses. And in context, as Jesus would tell this story, it would be really clear that these were laughable excuses. These are like the my dog ate my homework excuse. This is a. Uh, uh, let me check my calendar. I'm not sure I can make it. I need to wash my hair. It's that kind of excuse. It's it's really ridiculous, and it's so um, holds in contempt this beautiful invitation. So Jesus is kind of setting up the scene where the ones who are actually invited to the banquet make up ridiculous excuses to not go, but the king wants people at his table. He wants people at the party, and so he keeps on reaching out. For more people, right? It's like, okay, we'll go invite the poor and the lame and they do that. And then they say go out past there, go out onto the country roads, meaning leave our area, leave our people, our tribe, our village, and invite others. And so when we think about what the backstory is here, we've kind of tried to lay out a little bit of the backstory. We know that Jesus is talking to Jewish leaders right now. He's sitting at a banquet. He has made it very, very clear that the invitation, what real righteousness looks like, is including and inviting the poor, the lame, the crippled, those who would be considered unclean, those who would be considered not, quote unquote, holy. Jesus is already making it clear that the kingdom of heaven is about that. And then in the story, he sort of tells a story that's kind of hitting close to home because he's looking at these Jewish leaders and he's saying this God, the God of the Israelites. I'm going to tell a story about the God of the quote unquote Israelites. um, And look what this God does. This God invites his people. And his people give terrible excuses, ridiculous excuses for why they can't come. And so then the invitation is extended beyond his people. The invitation is extended out to the poor, the crippled, the lame. It's extended all the way out to the country roads. And what we see here is that the invitation requires acceptance the invitation is cast far and wide it is not just for one people group it is for all of these groups and the master in this in this story the one who's actually throwing the party seems really really interested in making sure that he fills the whole table like that there is not one extra invitation left over that every single invitation is taken he seems very intensely intent on making sure that the banquet is great great. and that the banquet is full. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.cru.org study. Again, that's give.cru.org study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only.
2: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
0: And so if we were going to ask the question, what does it mean? What does this story mean? And this is where I think, because we are the Gentiles, most of us know, perhaps you were raised in the Jewish faith or you're Jewish and you're listening to this story. But for many of us, we are, quote unquote, the Gentiles, we're the people who are not Jewish. And I want you to know that if you're a Gentile, if you weren't raised in the Jewish faith, you're like one of those people on the country road. Like you're in the third part of this parable where um, the invitation keeps getting extended further and further. And what we really know in this story, right? Is it's not about what you have to get invited. It's about whether you say yes to the invitation. You see, the guys who were left out, they're the ones who just chose to be left out. They were invited, but they didn't come. They made excuses. They didn't actually enter in. And so if I was going to name kind of what this means, what's the principle at play, I think we could say that the blessing of the kingdom is available by by faith. The blessings of the kingdom are available if we are to accept them. And that acceptance is part, as our response to the invitation. We have to understand that the invitation is for all, but that we have a part to play in accepting that invitation. I love this verse from Hosea 2, verse 23 sort of a prophecy about the fact that the Gentiles will be included in the promise of Jesus. Um, Hosea is from the Old Testament, so this was said long before Jesus came, and it says this, "'I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God.'" It says in 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then finally, this like clarion call about salvation, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when I share that principle, this idea that the blessing of the kingdom is available to all who will accept it, we have these backup verses that actually back that principle up so that we can understand it. Now, what I fear when we think about what does this mean for me is that since many of us are Gentiles, it can be easy to be like, "Oh yeah, like I said yes to Jesus, I was on that country road, and I definitely said yes to the banquet and doesn 't that make me a great person but here's the here 's the deal We need to realize that as we become um comfortable in our faith, um, perhaps your life is surrounded by people who believe what you do, who are Christians, who go to church with you. that's beautiful and wonderful God's called us to the body of Christ. Amen, like God has called us to fellowship with believers, but I think it can be very easy for this little edge of self-righteousness to creep in where we're like, well, you just need to accept Jesus. You just need to accept Jesus like I accepted him. And we can lose the spirit of the invitation, this heart of inclusion. We can start to even maybe inadvertently put up barriers between um, ourselves and the church and other people. We can decide that we're going to be the ones who name the kinds of behaviors that mean you're in or you're out. And you can choose any number of cultural divisive moments that we're in um, you can choose sexuality, you can choose the political system. you can choose you know, c- things that are currently being debated um, on the highest level, right? And a lot of us will choose those things to say, I'm going to choose that behavior to be the for me to be able to say if you're in or you're out of the kingdom, but that is not the heart of Jesus the heart of this story is that God is seeking people intentionally and intensely to be a part of his kingdom, and that the very people who wanted to make behaviors that said if people were in or out were the ones that Jesus directed these parables to. So all of us have to check our heart to ask the question, am I more concerned with naming behaviors that help me know who's in or out, or am I more concerned with the heart of God the heart of God that is extending an intense and urgent invitation out into the world. And that invitation is to come to the banquet, to come and be accepted, to come and be loved. Now, what do we do with behaviors? That's a different conversation. But if we're talking salvation and we're talking invitation, it seems to me that all of us should be challenged to ask the question, what is it that people do or don't do that make me sort of distance myself? And what would it be like for me to ask God to give me a heart that expands even to people I feel uncomfortable with, even to people who may believe differently than me, even to people that I think are definitely, definitely on the outside of the kingdom. I want you to imagine that you're holding that wedding invitation and that your job is to be so excited that you were invited to the feast that you can't wait to invite everyone else you know. All right, you guys, thanks for joining me today and we'll talk next week.
1: Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer Stephen McGarvey and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out our website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called, Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site, in today's show notes. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack.